Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Composite Mind, a podcast about creativity, inspiration, where we find it and how we hold on to it. Produced by Roughhouse Theatre and presented by me, Shane Morgan. Hello and welcome to episode five of The Composite Mind. I am absolutely delighted to say that our guest for this episode is the DJ and broadcaster, the magnificent Rowena Alice. Now, the pandemic aside, Rowena DJs live gigs and she also presents Incoming, which is a show dedicated to brand new music and is regularly the number one show on Mixcloud for Islington Radio. She also presents Riot Diet on Boogaloo Radio, which amplifies the very best in rock, indie, punk and post-punk bands featuring women, trans and non-binary folk. Rowena is probably responsible, I would say, for a solid 75% of the music that I listen to at the moment, and both Boogaloo and Islington are making a huge impact on the indie station scene. Head over to www.islingtonradio.co.uk and www.boogalooradio.com and search for Rowena Alice on both of those to get an insight into how great her shows are and also the music that she plays. Before we start the podcast proper, I normally have a quick catch up with each guest and I couldn't resist including a section of our catch up on this one because it it's all about dogs and remember the best breeds are always rescue dogs. Enjoy this great chat with Rowena Alice and I will catch up with you at the end. What what dogs have you got? What have you got? Because I've I've got one just here who I I can't relegate her to another room because <laughs> she just completely freaks out. Um, so we have well, they're both rescue, so we're not entirely yeah. sure what they are. But one is a sort of trail hound, harrier hound, beagle cross, so like a gangly beagle really. And the other one is a beagle basset hound cross. <laughs> so oh, it, no. I know. Yeah, terrors, but they're so lovely. And um, yeah, it's kind of um, crazy because we had this old golden retriever, the biggest, soppiest beast ever, really quiet, really well behaved, I've had since I was about 10. And we kind of inherited her like when my mum moved to a flat so that uh, she could live in our house. And we lost her and we were like, never getting a dog again. Like we absolutely adored her. Six months later, we ended up with one of the hounds. We got Maggie and that's mostly due to my obsession with Snoopy. So we ended up with some sort of form of a rescue beagle which was interesting when we've had no hound experience before and she's a real flight risk as well so we have to make sure she's like on her lead all the time and then um, a couple of months later the people we rescued her from were like I don't suppose you want another hound and we were like oh and they showed us this rescue picture of her and oh my god she was the most adorable thing and she'd been given back so she'd been rescued and then returned to this foster center which just broke my heart and in this picture she's got like a little crooked legs because of her being a basset hound cross and this ear just flopped over and this really sort of earnest look and uh yeah we've never looked back i took we took maggie to go meet her and they just gravitated towards you towards each other irresistible it's like i don't know what 
we put ourselves through, but yeah, that we love them to pieces. So. I'm just, I'm obsessed with anything dog at the moment. There was a documentary we were watching the other night on Netflix about guide dog training and what happens from them being born to them going to going through the the training process and actually into becoming a guide dog yeah and it's heartbreaking because you're rooting for them all because you know you really want them to do well and then they don't and then they don't get matched well and so I I just I'm this is obsession with dogs at the moment and this little one is my constant companion at home which is amazing She's a little, um, she's a Border Collie Jack Russell cross. Um, oh my goodness. What an yeah, interesting right. name. Uh, but the, the dad was the Jack Russell. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. So straight away. He needed, just a, got, needed a ladder to sort of get up there. Either a ladder or compliance. You know, one of the, one of the, <laughs> one of the two, but she's great. The, the Collie in her wants to learn all the rules and then the yeah. Jack Russell wants to break them all. So she's in this constant conflict all the time. Anyway, that's not why I've got you on here. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling someone the other day that a good 70% of what I'm listening to at the moment is informed by your two shows. uh, Oh, thank you. Well, it it is, particularly Riot Diet, but incoming as well. I've just, over the last year, 18 months, I've just been listening to more and more new music and just been thinking, do you know what? I'm bored of my old Mm. collection. I just need to broaden what I listen to. And and yeah, your two shows particularly, and you know, the other 30% are like, you know, algorithms and other friends and, <laughs> and, you know, random, random choices. I want to ask you, I want to start with two questions. First of all, it, it's one that over the last sort of 12 months has become a bit of a loaded question. But the first question is, how are you? Um, but also the second question is, as a creative, how have you navigated the last 12 months? for yourself personally but also more than anything else professionally well I think it's probably good that you're asking me now and not earlier in the year or last year because it was really tough for me I am someone I suffer from depression anyway so I've been on antidepressants since I was about 18 now when they deemed me old enough to go on to them and I think it just sort of sometimes goes hand in hand with being a creative to be honest and um I just started towards the end of last year having horrendous panic attacks and it was really bizarre. I'd just be sat outside a coffee shop or, you know, even when they opened up the hairdressers and my hairdresser I've had for years and I had a panic attack there and it was, um, it was really quite awful. I ended up taking a few months off social media um, as well, just to try and help. And I think, It's tough because in my industry, it's very competitive, particularly for women. And I'd sort of, I always feel like I'm on the verge of something going well for me. And then stuff happens where it feels like everything just goes wrong or I I lose everything. And that's me being a bit of a pessimist because of my anxiety. But, you know, I've had quite a few opportunities where I'm like, this is really exciting. This is going to go on to great things. And it doesn't happen. And then obviously with the pandemic, it was a, a real massive whammy because 
like I, I'm very involved in politics and the world in general. Like one of my favorite shows is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It's one of my only escapism things where I'm like, I can watch something and it's like someone agrees with me with how angry I am at the world. So I think there was a mixture of that, seeing people suffering and dying and not being with their family members and sort of being away from friends was really tough. And then I'd lost all my work. And not only had I lost all my work, my partner lost all their work as well, because he was in the middle of a comeback tour after having break away from the band and literally three gigs in, he's torn from it. And he was in the middle of an album process as well. So that's always a very stressful time during our relationship because he has to put his heart on his sleeves. He writes everything. And me, I lost all my DJ sets. So anything that gave me some kind of autonomy or my passion and my money (laughs) which just went it all just let's not forget that (laughs) you know because that's important as well because I've got to live I've got to pay the bills and it was it was difficult I tried to adapt the best I could with my radio shows so I record them from home because our studio in Boogaloo closed I then challenged myself and even though I was going through a difficult time I actually got myself another radio show which is incoming on Islington Radio Um, and I thought oh it's only an hour you know new indie tracks it'll be fine and actually it was it's it's quite fun to do but I've had to completely learn a million new skills because obviously I just usually make my notes beforehand I sort out my playlist all this sort of stuff and I'd rock up to a studio record it live and then it's done and then it's uploaded online. Like once it goes out live, it was easy. Whereas now I've had to teach myself logic. I've had to teach myself how to set up different bits of equipment, how to use stuff to do with sound, which obviously I'm all right with because of doing DJ sets. I'm quite used to levels and things like that, but like automation on things. So it's as if I'm riding a fader, but I'm doing it in a screen instead of actually using a desk. So I had to teach myself all these incredible new skills, which was wonderful. Like it was very exciting to learn and discover, but also it was probably adding on to the stress that I was already having, being panicking and, you know, and it it was awful. Like I'd never really experienced an anxiety attack before. And it was just this whole thing where you just become this complete mess and you can't breathe. And it was it was really quite shocking to have. And I was having them so regularly. I ended up being, first of all, put on beta blockers, which, again, like being quite young is quite a shocking thing to be told, you know, you've got to go on to these. And then um, I had to go through a process of lowering and changing one lot of antidepressants onto another lot whilst also still trying to work. So it was it was tough. I took a bit of time off. So I ended up not doing um, my shows, I think, for about a month and a half. Uh, and I came back after Christmas because um, I just needed that time with with like my mum. Luckily, I'm, I'm she's great. She's a single um, person. So she was in my bubble and she lives like five minutes down the road to me. So I got to see her as well as my partner, which is good. So I had that kind of family comfort as well, which was really um, reassuring. But it's been a very bizarre year. I think at first I was like, oh, this is not too bad because, you know, it's given my body a reset. I'm no longer getting in at 4 and 5 a.m. after having a couple of beers whilst DJing and then having a McDonald's and then making my way home, which wasn't the healthiest lifestyle either and probably 
sort of didn't help with my energy levels and everything. So I was like, oh, give me a reset. I'll get ready. I can focus on different things with my shows. I can reach out to getting new interviewees and all that stuff. And um, but then it just kept going on and on and on and on. And here you go over a year later, I've still not done a DJ set live that I've been paid for. And it's um, scary, but I'm lucky that my radio stuff has um, sort of taken off, really. I think after having such a terrible end of the year last year, I was then determined to come back and I was given a new slot, which is much better on Boogaloo Radio for they decided to shake up the station and they were like, we want everyone who focuses on new music 6 to 8 p.m. So that was really cool. So it means that listeners, especially because I've got quite a few in America as well, it was easier for them to listen live rather than having to listen back. And so I came back and I was just like, I started reaching out to sort of people I kind of knew or I'd made connections just because I've played them on my shows or I've supported them. So they support me. And I started getting some really cool interviewees for Riot Diet. And then um, stuff started really taking off with um, incoming as well, which I didn't expect at all, you know, because that was more just to kind of flex my muscles with indie, play a few other things that obviously I can't play on Riot Diet because Riot Diet on Boogaloo Radio has a rule where every band I play has to have at least one woman in. So um, obviously that kind of frees me up a little bit. And it's just like an hour of new indie bangers from like underground bands that I found and I've come across and I, I love and I put out there. And it just started like heading up in the charts and then staying at this level of being in top five. And then it's just got higher and higher over the past few weeks. So it's well, amazing. I was going to say, dare I yeah. say, you know, number one. <laughs> I know, which, which is, is mental. It's yeah. so crazy. I didn't expect it when um, my station manager messaged me. because obviously it's on the Islington Radio Mixcloud. So they're the ones who get the emails and notifications. I was just like, what? and then when I went on and saw it it's in this little gold box as well on uh, Mixcloud it was really lovely so it's it's been a real year of ups and downs for various reasons and I think you know I'm not the only one who's suffered with work stuff I'm lucky that I'm still here with my health you know a lot of people aren't so you have to think of the positives the fact that I'm back on track with my mental health which is lovely and then it's sort of I've managed to adapt the best I could with my radio stuff whilst I'm not doing my DJ bits and I've tried to you know progress and push it forwards the best I can but you know whilst also having a stressful situation at home with another creative who's also trying to do stuff whilst not having much money and trying to yeah push himself as well so it's been how do you, um, how, do you find that, how do you find that mix with the both of you at home two of two creatives two wildly brilliant and quite innovative creatives at that and there's a dynamic where obviously you're both after you know you're both following your own path but also you're supporting each other do you ever get a moment and when you do how does it work those moments where you go do you know what we're not on we're not working we're not there's no music we're gonna just have we're just gonna quieten the noise a little bit what how do you how do you do that how do you manage to achieve that do you achieve it we go away from each other (laughs) (laughs) he will go and find sanctuary at a coffee shop or on a bench if it's not open and he'll read or he'll go to his studio and do work and I will either go to my mum's and watch some telly with her or I'll go out with my dogs or I'm also lucky I've got a friend who 
um, she's actually originally not from the UK and um, she had a really difficult time through the pandemic as well and she um, I ended up becoming her emergency contact and her uh, sort of not legal guardian but it was really crazy obviously I won't go into it because it's her business and not mine but I had to end up coming into her bubble as well so luckily I've actually managed to see like one of my best friends as well every now and then which has been really quite nice and um, so obviously I go and have some wine with her and a bit of a moan and then we sort of come back regroup and we watch something on telly and we're okay again Um, (laughs) but yeah we're because we are a couple that are used to having time apart we ever since the beginning of our relationship so I was like I just turned 17 when we got together a long old time ago now and um he was he's five years older than me so you can do the maths because I'm not very good at that um and uh we he was touring he was you know about to make his second album he was touring the world and so we'd have this very intense lovely brilliant time together that you know was still typically sort of heated and we'd have fights and stuff we've just always been that couple because I think it's been very sort of passionate with like we massively love each other and then we really fucking hate each other you know that's kind of how the dynamic of the relationship has worked but it's it's how it has been for us and it's what we've been used to for like 15 years now so we yeah we are used to having the distance and it's been quite difficult because he had a break from the band to go to university because he never got to do that. He got into the band when he was a teenager. So he didn't ever have that chance. So he was like, you know what? I need some space. I've written four albums. I need to have a breather and go to uni. So he did. He went somewhere that was quite close to home. And um, so he was around a lot more. Then obviously he was meant to be going back out and tour and the pandemic happened. And so in about four or so years now without him going on tour and then with me not going out to my gigs or anything like that we've just been right on top of each other and it unfortunately we can be two powerful forces but often when they collide it can be very explosive um so yeah we we are not used to being on top of each other and it it can be difficult um but yeah we've we've learned coping mechanisms I think having the dogs as well that are kind of like our children really help as well because it's kind of like doing it for the kids you know sort of <laughs> calming the situation now because they're two rescue dogs as well so we can't quite be as like run screaming at each other as we used to be which is a relief as well because I don't want to go back to being like a young person having those kind of fights no. um but we yeah we sort of take the dogs out for a walk or we'll just watch something on tv or a film or a box set or something and stuff will be okay and I'll usually make us some food because bless him I love him he wants to offer to cook but again because he's always had catering and stuff for years during his job he's not really a cook I'm more of the person who makes the food (laughs) in the family so I'll make us something quite nice and then yeah usually stuff will be okay the thing I wanted to ask you about, because you were talking you were talking about Boogaloo and Islington Radio, there's been a number of independent stations over the last couple of years that have really risen to the surface. Why is that? Why are we now turning away from mainstream into more indie stations that have a much broader, I mean, maybe I'm answering my own question here, but <laughs> have a much broader uh, playlist, have a much broader reach as well. And of course, you know, the, with the advent of technology, in the internet we have more accessible locations as well but why are we turning away from mainstream why are we going more towards indie I think because 
of social media, we get to know different personalities now. And I think we realize actually we can have our taste catered for by different people who are experts in their area. Era. It doesn't have to be era experts in their area and uh, they it means that we're not necessarily having to stick to the people that we are given as like the gatekeepers of music to be like these are the people you should listen to this is the music you need to be taking on board and it's wonderful it's been this eye-opening thing that we've got to see over social media whilst we've connected with other people and got to know other DJs or personalities and I think it's also come from podcasts as well I think it's to bring podcast but with a slightly live element as well and music obviously because you can pay prs which means that even on these independent stations that the artists are supported which you can't do necessarily as much with a podcast compared to a radio station so i think it's just people wanting to flex their muscles with being creative and having new things because we've got a very short attention span now so i think if we've got a radio station that's just playing us the same tunes over and over again that we've heard for years we're getting really bored so we'd either turn away and go maybe just find a spotify playlist or if you do miss that bit of chat people are moving to listen to people in independent radio because it's like it's a great mix of having a slightly more eclectic pick a mix choice of music with also different experts that you just haven't heard for years and years and years. And also I feel that we're breaking through when it comes to representation as well. I think people are very much tired of having the same specific acts being shoved down their throats, especially when it comes to typical sort of white male bands as well. People are moving away from that. They want a renaissance when it comes to music because people are getting bored and they want to hear and see people who look like them in the arts and independent radio is a great way of doing that because it means that you have more freedom there is less of a restriction when it comes to playlists which is why I love it you know I get to play new tunes each week instead of just having to repeat the same ones over and over again and I think it also you can tell with the presenters that they're really passionate about it and people want to hear that. So I think yeah. it's just the fact that we're trying to feed this nature in us of wanting more and wanting new and wanting something different all the time because of the fact that we've got this sort of assault on the senses now with social media and all these different platforms that we can listen to. So if we can have something that's fresh and curated, which we feel is curated for us directly then people are going to go for it. And I think that's why. And I think especially during the pandemic, I've noticed more of these stations have been popping up. And I think it's because people have realised how important the arts are for people as a a coping mechanism and to help keep people sane and happy. And so they're like, oh, how can I help? Or what direction could I take it in? What could I do differently? And good on them. You know, if you want to start up a station, do it. I'd never do it. I was offered. And like, because I was in talks about helping with Islington Radio. And I was like, no, I've seen the stuff that my Boogaloo station manager goes through. I'm not doing that. I'd rather be behind the mic and just talking away. It's a, yeah. it's a tough old thing. But if you've got it in you to do it, then why the hell not? You know, and I think competition is also important. I don't like it when people have a monopoly over things. I think there should be something for everyone. And that's the beauty of internet radio now it's an interesting one isn't it being approached to run something or to be behind starting something often 
takes you away from that thing that you really love yeah. you know that idea of of you running a station that that's great because then maybe you have that control over it and maybe you get to dictate who plays what and who you get in and, and really open up that diversity but then that actually takes you away from that thing that you really mm. love I've always found that that I think it would be difficult for me one I'm not the most organized person ever like unless it's something that I'm really enjoying you know I'm, I'm terrible I was always a nightmare to my mum because unless like, it was something that I absolutely loved I just wouldn't ever really put 100% into it and uh, that's why I'm not a teacher like her and my sister um, because it definitely <laughs> wouldn't have gone down the right route for me um, but yeah so I'm not I don't feel that I'm I'm organized anywhere near enough and I just feel that I just wouldn't have the time to be creative and set up the playlist. Because a lot of people assume in radio that you just rock up, you play some tunes and you just chat around them. And it's so much more than that, especially when you're on independent radio, because obviously on the bigger stations, you have a, a producer there for you, an engineer, you know, you, your playlists are all pre-picked for you. So you just go in and you just fill in the links in between the songs. So it's a, a much easier setup in that way. Obviously the stakes are higher if you go wrong, because it was going to really hit back at you if you like make a mistake or accidentally swear on it whereas that doesn't matter for us um but when you're doing it independently you are your own engineer producer PR machine social media representative all this sort of stuff and you know you've got to make it takes for just like um boogaloo show right that is two hours and incomings an hour and so I have to find three hours of music in total each week with new releases, which only uh, come out on Fridays. So that's obviously then today I'll, after like chatting to you, because we're recording this on a Friday, I'll be there trying to manically find all the tunes I want to play. It's then curating that because often I have more than I want or some weeks they're not as good or there are a lot of covers, especially during the pandemic where people have not been releasing new tunes. So you then have to obviously curate that. You then have to make your notes for that. You have to find all your information and your background for it. Because again, you can't just go up and go, this is a great tune because people want to hear a bit more about that. They want to hear if it's a new band, it's like, where are they from? Maybe when are they releasing their next single or album or something? You've got to give people a little bit more information. And also just you've then got to record it. So <laughs> you've just got to have it as pieced together as like beforehand to then go in and be able to record it and get it done as quickly as possible so it can then be sent off and then checked and all that sort of stuff but I'm, I'm very lucky with Tom who runs Islington Radio is very trusting with me because he asks a lot of people to send it seven days in advance whereas I get to literally send it the day before so <laughs> yeah yeah no he's a keeper he, he trusts you that's amazing it's yeah. it's very it's really lovely because I think because he knows that I do new tunes I'm like well they only come out on the Friday so that gives me a couple of days to do it and he's like yeah yeah all right that's fine um but luckily I think because he can hear me on other stations he's got used to the fact that I can do levels and things which is what he's had to do with some of the other people who haven't been working in radio as long maybe they're just starting their show for the first time they're in another industry or something beforehand 
And so they've needed a bit of help with sorting out their levels and recording things and piecing it all together. Whereas I think he knew I could do it already because I've been doing it for so long with my other stuff. So yeah, that's a real relief, but it takes, it takes quite a long time to do. <laughs> Has music always been in your DNA? Have you, do you remember the point where you thought at, at any stage when you were younger, oh, do you know what? I, I, I want a piece of that in my life. That's where I'm at. Cause you mentioned that your mum's a teacher and your sister's a teacher and yeah. you know, sort of veered away from that into a more I mean well, teaching is a creative industry of course but you sort of veered more towards the music do you remember when music first really started to yeah I think when I was younger like my my grandparents on my mum's side they had um my mum first then they had my aunt bless her who's passed away now then they adopted because they couldn't have um uh, they thought they couldn't have children so they adopted a son and then later in life they got my uncle Jonathan who is the youngest in the family and was a complete surprise but there's actually like a smaller age gap between my uncle and like my sister than there is between my mum and her brother because of yeah because of the the gap with how it works it sounds a bit crazy but he was obviously a teenager when we were kids and he um, gave me this old little cassette tape which makes me feel really old which is crazy of um Nirvana's Nevermind yeah and it was just absolutely phenomenal you know I'd heard little bits of rock here and there my mum um went through a phase of playing um Oasis What's the Story Morning Glory a lot like after my dad left and she loves Fleetwood Mac and has like an original vinyl um LP but then she also very much is into a sort of pop and little bits like that but she's not massively into music because my mum's always said it makes her sad you know it's she finds it very emotive and sometimes I don't think she can control that so she's listened to bits here and there but yeah when my uncle showed me this and it first like kicks off with Smells Like Teen Spirit I'd never experienced music like that before and I was like I didn't know it could sound like this it just blew my mind and from there on really I just started getting a little bit more into rock and roll and indie and discovering this stuff and then as a teenager um, I was always annoying everyone around me because I constantly sit with my earphones in and this time it was when you had like a cd disc thing so you'd actually have to take a cd with you and travel through and I'd like ripped a hole in the lining of my blazer so that I could put it into my blazer and I'd walk around with that at school as well listening to it and I'd just be constantly absorbing new things then I started discovering bands that were all the riot girl bands so obviously um, I think Hole was kind of a natural progression from after Nirvana And a lot of it was having to discover this stuff myself because we couldn't afford any of these TV channels which had like MTV or whatever. We probably have like the box, I think, on NTL, which is just crazy. People listening are probably like, what the hell is all of that? And um, sometimes have like the odd like rock classics or grunge classics or something. So it was very much just like, finding and absorbing and then you find that one band and then you find another one who's quite similar so then you'd obviously find like L7 and Bikini Kill and that would develop and then I discovered bands like Distillers which was just absolutely phenomenal as well I was obsessed with Coral Farring when I was a teenager and became very in love with Brodie Dahl and um, it just sort of progressed from there really I, I used to sing a little bit as well so I went to this Um, fabulous thing called Rock School at the Square in Harlow which unfortunately has been demolished now which is very heartbreaking to make room for housing 
and it was a cultural lifeline to people who were living sort of around Hertfordshire and Essex way. So I, you know, started going to gigs there as well. That's where I met my husband as well, because he started his musical journey off at the square playing a, a rock contest, which was um, hilarious. My sister would take me there as well because she was a bit older and she was actually in the same year at school as Charlotte from my husband's band. So we've all sort of known each other for a very long time. And um, yeah, it just kind of just developed from there. And also I've just always had a love for women who sing and their voices and who play instruments. I didn't know when I was younger that it was kind of a, would be seen as a bit of a taboo subject until I got older and started realizing that people would have issues with it. And I became more aware of feminism and, you know, equality and all this sort of stuff and how women have been treated. And then that meant that I ended up becoming particularly passionate about women in music and particularly in rock. It's all stuff that I listen to and I adore. And my university course that I went on, um, I actually did film and TV because that's another passion of mine. And so I was like, well, my uncle's a filmmaker as well. So I was very much merging his again, love of music and film. He's like been very influential to me. He's one of the main sort of male idols in my life. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go in the film direction because I just love it. It'd be interesting getting to make film as well as doing film theory. And I enjoyed writing about films. And I thought that was the direction I was going to go in. And um, but my final year documentary that I made was about the need for feminism in rock music because it was in 2014 when they first did the poster, removing all the names and showing how many women were on the main stage, which happened to be Blood Red Shoes, which luckily I'd sort of become friends with Laura Mary Carter and Blood Red Shoes. And so I interviewed her for my documentary amongst some other people. And um, yeah, it sort of progressed from there really with just my sort of full on passion and obsession with like pushing women in a particular genre to the forefront because I got a first for that documentary. I won an award, which I think is actually here at my mum's bless. So she has both my awards that I won at university. Uh, I've got the ITV documentary, my best documentary award, which was really lovely because when I was um, pitching it to my tutors, they were like, you can't do this because you can't just having feminism in the title and having it with just all women that you're interviewing is not going to go down well. And um, yeah. Tell me they, they were, they were all blokes that told you that. No, one of them was a woman. Yeah. The documentary teacher herself was a woman and she was the one pushing against it. And um, yeah, so I managed to um, end up winning an award for it, which I was really pleased. And that got me a bit of attention with BBC Three Counties Radio, who then started asking me on for reviews, actually, of films to begin with, which is like, yeah, I'll carry on in this direction. I love films. I'll do this. And then it started progressing where it was just more of an entertainment and showbiz thing. And then I was like, how can I do more with my love of music? And I started breaking into more community radio. It was first of all, Hoxton Radio had not the best experience there when I was trying to actually move out to presenting on my own from being on a panel. And um, it just so happened that when I had this bad experience of recording my first demo with them, Jen, who runs Boogaloo Radio, had just finished her show and was in the studio there as well. And she was like, you know what, I'm thinking about setting up my own station, doing my own thing. Would you like to be on, um, involved? And yes. there you go. <laughs> Diet was born. So it was kind of quite a long journey. But, you know, it's all just 
been from just loving the arts and it's amazing how film and music cross over so much you know whether it's soundtracks or mu- movies influencing music you know it's it's all been two massive loves of my life and it just so happens that the music ended up taking over the film side of my life really and I think it was also because in the film world it's very very small it's quite niche you know you often have the same people writing for the same publications and often those people usually had like English degrees whereas I'd had the film and television one and even though I'd done well and I won an award for my dissertation as well um, from BFI and IB Taurus the publishing company they still were very much wanted people who had that more literature background so I was like well if I'm not going to be able to break into here because I'd actually had a couple of interviews at Empire Magazine because I absolutely love Terry White and James Dyer who worked there and we're still really good friends as well but it didn't happen and I just thought you know what I'm going to focus on Riot Diet I'm going to really throw myself into doing music that then led me to DJing and that started making me money so I was like I'll stick to this then and that's how I'm now working in music so there you go <laughs> and obviously I'm married to a musician as well so I completely forgot to throw him in there as well so being married to a musician obviously we kind of eat breathe and sleep music in our house yeah, well, and I, I, I think he's look he's, he's doing his own thing you don't need to throw him in you know I, think, I was like he's like a massive part of like a musical journey I'm just like yeah yeah you know him as well the oh, one he's the bloke. Like, yeah there's yeah, him. that one <laughs> it's amazing what you say about how music and film really do work side by side I mean in my other in my other life I, I'm a theatre director and I am also very influenced by music and music is very much part of any theatrical journey that I go on so the second I get a script I'm it's almost like I'm thinking of a soundtrack alongside what I'm yeah. reading or what I'm seeing. And you think about those great films that have those soundtracks that you think, hang on a second, could one exist without the other? And you think, well, actually, no. You know, you think of any great movie that you really love. For me, alongside that is also a great soundtrack yeah. as well. And I think that's very much the case of how really great musicians work. And it's the thing I love about Riot Diet is that often not only am I listening to music that I'm not familiar with, or I'm listening to something that then leads me on to something else. It just reminds me of what you were talking about as when you were younger. There weren't algorithms. There, there wasn't the, if you liked this, people also listen to this, this and this. You know, you had yeah. to go and seek it out yourself and you had to go and see it. And and now it's made so much easier for us. And I, I think on, on one hand, that's a good thing because obviously certain algorithms lead you down a direction that you wouldn't necessarily have gone to. But then you're not going out and actively seeking it and going to the really shit gig or going to yeah. someone that really, you know, that you've got to go through, you know, you've got to wade through the crap to get through the great. But often yeah. the crap will also... Shape your life as well, yeah. What are the gigs that you remember going to that really changed the direction of your taste or really made you think that it, it doesn't get any better than this, this particular song or this particular gig or this particular, apart from your, you know, your husband, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Forget him for the, just park him to the side for a moment. I think a lot of them are actually the slightly smaller level gigs that I would see at places like the square in Harlow. And then it was only really as I was getting older that I would then 
like my mum would be okay with me sort of obviously heading into London and I still kept it very low level it was people who were more up and coming bands like again sort of blood red shoes which is crazy now because Laura is one of my best friends but you know would go and see her in a grotty sort of basement bar somewhere and then what was also amazing there is you'd often have DJs playing sort of different tunes like a bit of Sonic Youth in the background or something like that which was just absolutely wonderful and I was just like oh my goodness I just want to be completely immersed like just what is it what's the word I'm trying to say just completely immersed in it and just live this life all the time but then obviously I'd have to go back and be this like school kid and sort of go back to having a fairly like regular life in a sort of suburban Hertfordshire town and um, it was just yeah it was really wonderful I'm trying to rack my brains for the gigs that I went to I remember when I was younger I saw Muse at Earl's Court which was pretty phenomenal just because it's you know the fact that he can get his voice like that Matt Bellamy like so I was I went through a phase of being obsessed with the album Songs for Absolution because that came out and I remember seeing the video for Time is Running Out in like their war room and I was just like oh my god this is so good and then that was my first experience of Muse and then obviously I got to experience Origin of Symmetry for the first time and all this sort of stuff Um, I'm not so keen on them now because I'm not as happy with the direction they went in I think Supermassive Black Hole was the last great song that they wrote and then I was like "Mm, yeah you're you're not really my thing anymore (laughs) yeah we know but I was the same I was like absolutely I remember seeing um Biffy Clyro as well and I was just absolutely blown away with them because I had been with them from the beginning I had um their earlier albums like a friend of mine um who I'm still friends with now from I've known him for 20 years we were friends in year seven and um he burnt me this like cd of Biffy Clyro tracks and I was just absolutely obsessed with it so then when Puzzle came out I was at Nature as well where I could finally go out and go and see them perform I think it was at Brixton Academy and I was just absolutely blown away because they brought this orchestra out on stage um but yeah it really kind of surprised me though how a lot of the bigger gigs that I was able to go to were mostly bands with men in and again it shows how we've sort of progressed in a way but we sort of went in this real dip again of not having as many women in bands and I think you know because there was a time where my husband's band was one of the only ones on the bill that had a woman in playing bass so it would often be the kind of grottier underground basement buffalo bar in Islington gigs with women in that I'd just be like this is so cool and they'd often be bands that then sort of had different um, versions and different names as they progress in the future um, or they they just don't exist anymore Um, but yeah so that was amazing Um, I also saw um, Green Day at the Milton Keynes Super Bowl um, when I was a young teenager, which was very interesting because just as they started playing, so I think they were about a second song in, I had something hurtle over and it was a pint glass and it was warm and I had a pint of piss over me for the whole gig. So whilst it was a fun gig to be at, it wasn't the most pleasant to experience, especially for my sister's friend who had to drive us home afterwards. So that was that was my first experience of Milton Keynes. And I think it was possibly my last experience of Milton Keynes as well. So 
That's awful. I want to talk to you about Riot Diet. You talk about the great gigs, you know, the memorable gigs where you're in the dank and dirty basement and, you know, they're the smaller gigs. And of course, the evolution of bands. Uh, the, the, the reason I'm saying this is I'm, I'm just finished Kim Gordon's uh, autobiography, which I just... So good, isn't it? It's so good. I just, it's so readable and it's so digestible. And I think anyone whether you like Sonic Youth or not, mm. or whether you've heard of them or not, there's so much in there about society, about politics, about relationships, about music, just about being a human being as well. It's a remarkable piece of work. But seeing and hearing about, you know, the evolution of bands and how mm. you, that they start with one name and then they change and, then, and, and what have you. Do you see bands that appear on Riot Diet are sticking around more and more or do you still or do you see that they're still disappearing or evolving into something a little bit more generic? Um, there are some bands that obviously do go through maybe a name change or that I thought they would go on to bigger and better things, but then they kind of peter out a little bit, which is always quite heartbreaking to see, especially when you champion them. But then there are bands like Nova Twins, who I was playing years and years ago when I first started my show and no one had heard of them. I was at the time just trying to push this band so much. I remember I was on other people's podcasts as well, just saying you've got to listen to this band, you know, they're, they're sort of gen, uh, genre defying and they just, you know, two women who you expect to play one type of music and then they come in and they fuse like grime and mat uh, metal and rock and all this stuff. And it was just, mm -hmm. you know, it blew me away at the time. And um, the fact that they've just kept like progressing further and further. And when you see people being like, oh, this new band Nova Twins, and obviously I've got to see their progression and we've been very close because of that, because of that support. And we'd said years ago, like I've got emails in my inbox from 2015 where, you know, we were saying, oh, it'd be great if um, we can get talking with stuff. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously stuff didn't end up happening. But um, I've, I have interviewed them now. I managed to get to do it during the pandemic, which was wonderful. And um, it's, it's lovely because these people have watched me champion them and then they've supported me as they've got bigger. And it's been a mutual relationship, which has just been absolutely wonderful for me to foster because I'm passing on these bands that I'm so excited by. And then it is wonderful. Like sometimes inside you, when you see them like getting much bigger, a little bit of you is like, oh, you know, they're not kind of my like little nice secret that I get to hear and share with people as much now because they're a bit easier to find and listen. Mm -hmm. But then you have to remind yourself, it's like, well, why am I doing this show? I'm doing it so these people can have a platform and people can listen to this incredible music and these artists so that they can become more successful. You know, you want to be a bit of a starting point. So when you see them getting the success that they deserve, it's also a really joyous feeling to have them progress and get bigger and, you know, start getting Radio One play. You know, it's amazing how many of these bands that I've been playing for a couple of years suddenly then become future artists on like Jack Saunders show on Radio One. And you're just yeah. like catching on i'm happy it's good to see that you're finally <laughs> what took you so long <laughs> what took you so long you know it, it's tough when you're on these bigger platforms because i don't think you necessarily have the time to sort of like it's almost like crate digging but obviously online and finding bands in that way 
but yeah it's you definitely see them growing and it's lovely and I've seen people go through different um name changes and obviously they message going by the way you played us when we were this for this now just giving you a heads up and I'm like yeah okay that's fine don't worry thank you for letting me know so it's actually a really wonderful thing and obviously on Riot Diet I play some of the bigger bands that are well known as well and what has been wonderful is seeing how some of the Riot Girl bands from the 90s have adapted and evolved you know they've become much more progressive they're not necessarily just as um white focused now with stuff because it was very much a middle suburban yeah middle class white suburban sort of vibe with the early riot diet stuff which is still great girls to the front feminism I was very much sort of influenced that by that when I was younger but they've kind of come out of this bubble and they've realized that again to be feminist you have to be inclusive of everyone and that's whether it's with trans women non-binary folk you know these people all part of this bubble and people of color as well which is something that I've always been very very strict on with my show as well is that it's not just an all-white show because it's like well there is no point of me saying I want to fight for these women in music and then I'm ignoring like huge or subsections of these these people that are making incredible music and to be honest they're the people making the groundbreaking music because often they're bringing in different experiences and different music that maybe they're brought up with and they're just creating something completely new and exciting and vivid and it's just so wonderful to to play and put onto my playlist and it's it's just yeah it's great to see older bands change and evolve and it's great to see newer and younger ones like go bigger and better and there are some bands as well that are still very very underground and you might be one of the only stations or a couple of other community radio stations that are playing them but that's still lovely as well because you're like well keep up the good work keep going you know we're gonna keep supporting you because as long as I love your music and I'm listening to it then I'll put it on my show because I won't play anything that I don't get that buzz from when I first hear it you know like I was saying earlier when you curate the playlist often I've got quite a few extra tracks on there and cutting some stuff out is hard so I have to really go through and like what am I really feeling the vibe of this week what am I if I was listening to my show what would I want to hear you know so yeah it's um it's a a wonderful experience for me to to create this show the couple of questions that i'm asking everyone that comes on this mm. now the first one is for yourself what are you listening to what are you reading and what are you watching at the moment oh right let's have a think about this when it comes to reading i'm very much a non-fiction reader so whether it's people's autobiographies or maybe slightly more um, political things or manifestos then I'll tend to be reading that more also um, magazines as well I'm a big champion of supporting um, magazines so I try and get as many of those as possible and it's amazing because it again that all influences me and sort of my taste of music and my style and stuff which is all like very important to me as well because you shouldn't have to but you have to make yourself a brand and I think you know the fact that um, I'm always very open if I love something I'm going to say about it even if it's you know a bloody cartoon show I'm not going to be ashamed to say that I absolutely adore this and I spend my time watching cartoons you know because why is life's too short to sort of deny these yourself these pleasures and then try and 
pretend that you feel guilty for liking certain things so yeah with reading it's usually a lot of non-fiction stuff um a recent book that I was reading which was absolutely fascinating is about um gender bias in society and in science and so it's basically giving you stats and facts of things like the fact that all seatbelts are designed with men in mind. So it means that set women are 74% more likely to be injured in a car crash. So, and I'm seeing you reaching for something. So I think you have it. Yes, that's it. That's what I've been reading. Invisible so, women. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. So that's a lot of what I do really I sort of um, absorb new information and also read lots of facts that I can give to my family as well at different points they can I can ask them a hypothetical hypothetical questions where I'm like if you were this or this like what would you do you know so they kind of kind of annoys them but they also kind of love it because I've done it since I was a kid and I still continue um to do that so yeah because I think I get a lot of my fiction and storytelling from film and tv so I think I kind of then shut off and I read a lot of um sort of essays on films and things like that or um about sort of pioneering women in film and um my mum bought my uh, me an amazing book where it was about like doing it um what was it directing but also backwards in heels or something like this so it's a this phenomenal book just sort of about pioneering women from over the years in the film industry so that's been something else that I've been dipping into but when it comes to film and tv right oh, it depends what mood I'm in because yeah. I am someone who my version of like trash TV that I watch to shut off is usually like cooking programs, which sounds really weird. But I love like no. MasterChef and Great British Menu. The other cooking program that I am completely obsessed with is called The Chef Show. And it's it's the actor. Uh, he, is it John he, Favreau? It's John. Yeah. yeah. And it's the show that goes alongside his film chef which is amazing I, I I love that show I absolutely love it it's so strange because obviously um, me and my partner we're vegetarian so obviously they're often like cooking bits of meat and stuff in this and he's like how are you watching this I'm like oh it's more just about the sort of process around it and the investigation yeah. it's like recently I've been watching this show called snack masters on channel four and it's brilliant <laughs> it's where they're trying to like uncover how to make a wagon wheel and it's just genius seeing all these Michelin star chefs trying to like make really cheap tacky marshmallow it's just genius and I'm like I so if I want to shut off that's the kind of stuff I watch I also went through all of drag race um again as well because I just think it's an absolutely amazing thing to see like the sort of art form that goes into drag and the fashion so I love all the sort of creative elements and aspects of that but um when it comes to sort of fictional tv shows like I've got all my comfort shows which are things like Brooklyn Nine-Nine I often have on in the background that I've loved for years and I'm heartbroken is coming to an end but I can also understand why and the Simpsons obviously I have all my cartoons on frequently in the background and there's been some really great new cartoon shows coming out like uh, there's one on apple tv now called solar opposites which is quite interesting it's by the makers of rick and morty so that's been um 
quite fun to delve into and I've just I've always loved cartoons and animation and stop motion animation since I was a child so um, I've just carried on basically I'm still a kid just grown up and a bit taller and have a bit more money than I'm not much more but a bit more money than when I was a child um, so I'm still very much into um, all of that we've got um, hard drives at home where we've ripped all our like box sets of things and we just have it like playing on a loop sometimes in the background when we're doing bits of work so we sort of just every now and then just like start quoting the Simpsons and chuckling away and laughing at that and then with um films it's difficult because obviously I used to go to the cinema like so often that I just often have these brilliant new films that I could sort of digest and be either shut off or be inspired by when watching and um, I haven't had that for so long, which is a real shame, even though there have been some new films out. Like I'm absolutely obsessed with Barb and Star Visit Vista, Vista Del Mar. It's just genius. You know, I love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm trying to think of stuff that I watched. I said earlier last week tonight with John Oliver. They're all very fictional, uh, nonfiction stuff, I mean. Um, films that I always go back to I always have I have a monthly watch of Royal Tenenbaums with uh, Wes Anderson it's one of my all-time favorite films and it still gives me shivers when I watch it but it's probably I still think I still think it's his best work I still think it's his best work without question absolutely I've got Margot on my arm as well so gorgeous amazing (laughs) Um, but but also (laughs) one of the best soundtracks as well that he's he's when um, she gets off the bus and Nico's playing, it's just phenomenal. And the bit as well where Elliot Smith's playing is what got me knowing about Elliot Smith. It was just yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Like, obviously, if people haven't seen the film, I don't want to ruin it with what happens in that scene. But it's just mind-blowing yeah. how it still really affects me. There are other films as well, which I um, often play as a bit of light relief and Speed is one of them. Absolutely love a bit of Keanu Reeves and Speed. It's incredible. I, to be honest, though, I can watch Keanu Reeves in anything. Like I still have a massive crush on him, to be honest. And he's probably one of the only 90s stars that hasn't let us down in some way. So you feel like you can still really adore him and like him as well. <laughs> I can't go past Point Break. I just, I, every, uh, Point Break's my, um, mm. my Keanu film that I just keep going back to. But then, of course, you know, you've got Swayze and I, 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 I agree yeah. with, yeah, I agree with you about Keanu. I just think he's, he's untouchable. Yeah. There's something about him as well, because you wouldn't necessarily say he's one of like the greatest actors of our time. Oh, he's not at all, at all. But, (laughs) you know, you forget though that he can be a very funny physical actor as well. You just look at things like Bill and Ted and when he's always played that kind of dopey sort of teenager, he was just amazing. But then he's done things like My Own Private Idaho, which is just really phenomenal as well. So I think actually he's a a superb film, so um, um, film actor. So I think I'd probably go back to lots of 90s films again, I think if I wanted something that is relaxing. So there was some real groundbreaking movies there with, some of the women breaking through with directing obviously like with um, Point Break and then just great action 
we had great thrillers and there were also some, like Spike Lee as well was just really breaking onto the scene then as well, like massively. So I think I'd probably go back to a lot of 90s films. In fact, I nearly started doing a podcast all about 90s films with um, Anna Bogutskia, who does now is on Wittertainment and stuff every now and then, yeah. which is amazing. I'm really, really proud of her. So, yeah, it's um, that's probably where I go for my comfort stuff. You know, you, you've just made me want to go back and, and watch all of those magic 90s movies as well, um, <laughs> which I'd, I'd be more than happy to do. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to ask, and this is, a, again, something else that people who come on this do, and it's, it's the question that I'm really looking forward to hearing what your response is. We're creating a playlist. Everyone who comes on this has to choose two tracks that they would have on our playlist that runs alongside the podcast. So, and, and I think that for, for someone like yourself, this is an almost impossible question to ask. But what are you ask, doing to me, Shane? I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> I need two tracks from you that you would put on that. And they can be, they can be from any point of your music journey, uh, or they can be two tracks that you've just listened to, that you've just turned on to, that, you know, are new to you. You've, the, the world is your oyster. Rowena, you can you can choose two. You're so mean. This is really difficult for me. (laughs) Um, right, okay. Mm -mm. What's the first one that comes to mind? I probably have to put a Nirvana track in, obviously, because we've also talked about um Nirvana before. So I'd probably go with aneurysm because I just absolutely adore the line I love you so much it makes me sick I nearly got it tattooed onto me and then uh, see now I'm like do I go for one that's more from my teenage years or do I go for a newer band I mean you're a walking playlist anyway so really you know asking you just to come up with two is awful but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, seeing as we spoke about them earlier and I mentioned, we'll put on um, Nova Twins and we will go for Lose Your Heads. Why? Yeah. Because it's one of the the first, it wasn't the first song of theirs that I heard, but it was the first one that really blew me away so much. I was like, these girls are going to be massive. And I still have it on many playlists just to really sort of shake things up. And it's it also really sums them up as well, because I think they are singing about the fact that, you know, these two black women walk on stage and people think they're going to do like a sort of Beyonce set or a bit of rap. And then suddenly they're just absolutely slaying it with their instruments. And, you know, the sound that they can get for just having two of them and then someone who helps Matt on drums every now and then is just so perfect. So yeah, we'll put them on as well because I feel that they're great because they just sum up everything that Riot Diet's about really. And yeah, I love them to pieces. Thank you so much for joining us for episode five of The Composite Mind and a huge thank you to the absolutely terrific Rowena Alice for taking the time out to talk to me for this episode. If you head over to the Rough House Theatre website, www.roughhousetheatre.com and click on The Composite Mind, you can go through the back catalogue and check in with the creative minds and journeys of our terrific guests. 
You can also head over to Spotify for the Composite Mind guest curated playlist as well. And it has turned into an absolutely banging playlist with some terrific tracks as well. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to support us and if you want to support the future of the podcast, you can also buy us a coffee. If you head over to www.ko-fi.com forward slash the composite mind it will tell you how you can support the podcast and also its future you can also head over to any of your favorite podcast platforms and like subscribe give us a star rating bang on about us on your socials as well all of that is hugely appreciated have a great time going through the back catalog and we will see you next time for episode six of the composite mind Bye.